into uh, our discussion here, a uh, new series. I uh, want to run, run, run one other thing by you in your family news bulletin. Grab your family news bulletin just for a second and take that out. Um, next Sunday night, September the 16th at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a worship night. These are really exciting times for our church. Um, and these worship nights are um, they're just unique. They're special. I know there are a lot of people who need prayer. Great time to come and have the body of Christ pray over you. People are going to be baptized that night. Um, you know, a great time of worship. We just, there's special music. There's just worship songs. It's, it's phenomenal. I, I love our worship nights. So make sure you mark your calendar for September the 16th, next Sunday night for our worship night. And then make sure you look through um, the Family News Bulletin. A lot of exciting things going on here at Grace Chapel. Um, and I don't want you to miss any of them. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, it tells us this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. It's pretty basic, isn't it? Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, it's a simple... It basically goes down to eating and drinking. Whatever we choose to do, we do it to the glory of God. Whether it's going to work, whether it's, whether it's going on the field, whatever it is, we do it all to the glory of God. This week, we're starting a new series called, What Would Jesus Tweet? What Would Jesus Tweet? <laughs> and over the past few years, social media has absolutely exploded without much of a chance for us to process through the emotional or spiritual implications. You know, we, we again, it, it, it hits us. And before we get a chance to really kind of lay it all out and think about it and how it affects us, it just happens. Everyone's using it. But as Christians, we haven't really had a chance to evaluate, to process through how this is affecting us emotionally and how it affects us spiritually. Because we text and we tweet and we post, right? And we search and we do all of these things. But is all of this good or bad for followers of Jesus Christ? Is it, is it wonderful that we are digitally connected to each other all the time in, in so many different ways? Is that good for us or is that not so good for us? Is, it, is, is being connected to each other all the time spiritually beneficial? In a cell phone, iPad, online, text-filled world that we live in right now, is it, is it actually drawing us closer to each other and closer to God or pulling us away? Well, I think we have to answer yes to all of the questions that were just asked. And we think about it. You have to say yes. There's so much. I mean, is, is it pulling us away in some ways? Yeah, it is. Is it drawing us close together? Yeah, in, in, some, in some ways it really is. Because this series is called, What Would Jesus Tweet? Not that Jesus would never tweet. I didn't call it Jesus would never tweet. But what would Jesus tweet? What would Jesus post? What would Jesus search? What would Jesus... These are the questions that we all need to ask ourselves. Because I think that a lot of churches, on the, on the one side, does it, does it have a negative effect on the church and believers in Jesus Christ? Of course it does. And we'll get into all this in the series as we go through it. But does it also help us out as the body of Christ? It, it, you know, many churches have used social media to connect with their members in a very profound and, and effective way. They use it to, to spread the gospel. 
There is a, there's a, a, a research um, group called Buzzplant. It's a, really a Christian-based digital advertising agency. And they surveyed churches to see how they're using social media in their organization. And they found that 30% of the churches that are using social media updated their, their Facebook page every single day. They did a very effective job of reaching out to their folks. The survey also found that communication between religious organizations and their, their members has blossomed through social, social media. That churches are using uh, social media, they're using their website, they're using this technology, this digital technology, electronic technology, they're using it to better reach out to their community and to spread the gospel around the world. So there's some good things that are happening with social media. There's some good things that are happening with Twitter and with Facebook and with all these other things, with, with websites and, you know, Google. There's some really good things that are happening there. The churches, the Christian organizations, Christians are using those things in a very effective way to share the gospel. If you think about it, and I did because I'm going through this series, technology has always been a double-edged sword, hasn't it? From the very beginning, it's always, it's always truly been a double-edged sword because it reflects the, the wonder of our imagination. It, it reflects the wonder of our imagination and also the evil of the fall. So you have both those things going on. I mean, we're able to use it in such a profound way. And I say it's a double-edged sword, and it brings us, it brings us when I say that, in my mind, it brings us right back to our secular, I mean, to our sacred, sinful Christian worldview. If something is not sinful, it's what? It's sacred. Exactly. There is no secular. So when I, when I say a double-edged sword, you just think about it. You know, the, the Industrial Revolution, basically, when they, even the, the printing press, when the printing press was invented, it allowed the Bible to be brought to the masses, right? Isn't that amazing? They invent the printing press, and before, people had to listen to one guy. If the one guy was corrupt, or if the priest or, the, or the, the whatever was corrupt, then, then people were not getting the word of God appropriately because there weren't a lot of copies of the Bible around. And, and so the printing press comes along, and, and, and the printing press enables us, through that technology, to bring the Bible to the masses. That's sacred. That's awesome. But it also did the exact same thing for pornography. So double-edged sword. You get technology, you get the printing press, get the Bible to the masses, all of a sudden does the exact same thing for pornography. Pornography is sinful. The Bible, obviously, to the masses would be a sacred thing. See, I, I, I know that the speed of e-communication, you know, people, I hear this all the time. The speed of e-communication can lend itself to short, short attention spans and, and, uh, and superficial conversations. And I, I totally agree with that. But I've also seen it do wonders for people. The ability to communicate, the ability to share the gospel, to lead, to help people to spiritually grow. I've seen people spiritually growing. When I've, I have personally interacted with people through communication, through e-communication, through digital communication, I want to use it. I've, a, I've been able to share the love of Jesus Christ with people around the world through this type of communication. And they have grown spiritually, either come to know Jesus Christ through our communication and then once they've come to know Christ, they have grown spiritually through that communication. So, again, double-edged sword. People who long for the good old days, and I know many of us do sometimes, can sometimes forget the ignorance, right? The ignorance and the isolation that came with it. Just the double-edged sword. 
We can, we can go down the list of all the things you can say. Well, because I know a lot of people say this is just completely destroying our culture. Well, in some ways, it truly is. Internet and everything else is, is in some ways destroying part of our culture. But as Christians and followers of Jesus Christ, we can use this technology to glorify God. I read a good quote, and I think this will help us out. I read a good quote as I was studying for the series. And the quote, it said, it said, technology is a great servant, but a bad master. It's a good servant, but a bad master. You think about it. The Bible says, let nothing master you. When something masters you, when something overtakes you, then it's when that's where it destroys your life. But technology can be a good servant. We can use it. We have a website. You go on the website. You find all the information out. You can see when the youth are meeting and these people are meeting. This is happening. And you, it's, been, it's excellent. It's a great way to communicate. Keep the body close together. I was, I was Facebooking last night and telling people, hey, we are starting a new series. And a couple people liked it and all that kind of thing. Maybe you came this morning because you, you weren't maybe going to come this morning. But then you saw, ah, oh, what would Jesus tweet? That's interesting. I'm going to come and listen. Maybe you came and now you're going to listen. And maybe it, changed your, it changes your life. Or I say something that you you share with someone else at work and it impacts their life. I don't know, but it can be used as a positive way. It's a good servant, but a bad master. So the question we all need to answer is this. How do we make technology our servant? How do we keep it in that position that it serves us, that it's useful to us and it doesn't master us? The vision of our church is to be a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. New technology can awaken the imagination. And in doing so, it can change the world. I was thinking about this this past week, how we can use technology. Uh, At work on purpose, like Chuck said, was birthed out of Grace Chapel transforming the world in so many profound ways. Another, another business that was birthed out of Grace Chapel, it's actually called a business tree, is, is, uh, is self-sustaining enterprises. Self-sustaining enterprises, the goal of self-sustaining enterprises is to build business trees, as we call them, here in the United States. And we take the resources from those and we invest the resources into, into developing countries, into businesses or business trees in developing countries like Nigeria, for example. We have a chicken farm there. We have a, um, a, a, bridal, a bridal shop. We have um, uh, dry season farming. We have aquaponics. We have a well drilling rig. We have all these different business trees that we've started in Nigeria. And those business trees then help people in need, widows and orphans. And so if we can use technology, if we can take the technology that we have, self-sustaining enterprises, for example, is moving more away from retail and more into online type businesses or licensing different types of technology. If we can start business trees that will gain us resources, financial resources that we can then invest in the lives of orphans and widows, that, my friends, is a good thing. So we can use this technology to our advantage. We can use this technology to glorify God and to help those in need. See, what we need to keep focused on is this sinful, sacred mindset, this sinful, sacred theology. If we do that, if we can focus our minds and our hearts on this sinful and sacred theology, it will make sure that we keep a balance, that we're balanced. 
and that we keep a balance on our online activities, that, we're, that what we're doing online, how we're using this technology glorifies God, gives us a well-rounded, balanced view of how to use the technology. But we can only do that if we put it in the context of Christ, if we put it in a biblical worldview. What we cannot do, and this is what happens, and, and it's not anyone's fault. I'm not picking on anyone in here or anyplace else. What happens is things happen, they come so quickly. It happens so fast. And all of a sudden you're using something and you're doing something and you're not thinking about how it relates to your worldview, to your relationship with Jesus Christ. So the next thing you know, you're pulled into how the culture is using the technology and how you should be using the technology. You're not asking the question, what would Jesus tweet? What would Jesus blog? What would Jesus post? What would Jesus search? We're not asking those questions because it happens so quickly. And we need to focus our attention. And we do that by focusing on a sinful, sacred worldview. How does it fit into my worldview? How can I use this technology to, to further the kingdom of God? For the next few minutes, let me share a few biblical principles that will lay the foundation for, our, for this spiritual journey we're going to be taking over the next few weeks. And what I'd like to do, I'd like you to consider... As you, as you consider if and how you're going to use this technology, I want to I ask you to think of, I want you to, to consider five principles that I want to lay out. I'm going to lay out five principles that I would like you to consider as you're going to use, if and how you're going to use this different technology. It's funny I said if and I almost took that out, but then I realized there's a lot of people here, maybe a little older, that don't use most of what we're talking about. Most of you do, but many of you do not. And some of you are thinking, well, I'm not going to use it because I've heard all these bad things. Well, you know what? If you, if you take it from a sinful, sacred worldview, you can use the technology. You have to ask yourself, how am I going to use it? And I want to give you five principles that you should focus on if you're going to use this technology. Number one, you need to, you need to connect with or follow people that will feed your spiritual maturity. Connect with or follow people that will feed your spiritual maturity. We need to make sure we are following people on Twitter that we are listening to and, and becoming friends with people on Facebook that are aligned with the word of God and that will help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Now, some of you are like, you have got to be joking. You, and, and let me just, I said, I'm giving you five principles. I did not say I'm giving you five absolutes that there's no, these are principles, general principles that will help guide you. And the first one is you need to make sure you're connecting with, okay, or following people or becoming friends with folks who are going to help you, you know what I mean, in, in, in this area of your life. So because you're thinking, well, man, I got a lot of friends on Facebook. I have a thousand friends and I'd say half of them aren't going to align with my belief system, nor are they going to help me grow in my relationship with Christ. Now, I understand that I have a lot of friends on Facebook, too. And uh, but listen, here's the reality. Some of you guys are really suspect. And I'm still friends with you. So let's just put that in. Let's, <laughs> you know, so let's just put that in perspective. So it's a principle. OK, it's a principle. You need to align yourself with people who are going to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is extremely important. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, Paul says this to Timothy. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction, so he's given instruction, in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith in a good conscience. Very difficult thing to do in this culture. Holding on to a faith, and not only that, a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. If, if, Timothy, if Timothy lived today and Paul lived today, Timothy would be following Paul on Twitter. Paul would be tweeting. If I say anything wrong, just forgive me because I'm not an expert in all this stuff. Paul would be tweeting and, and Timothy would be following Paul on Twitter. And Paul would be encouraging Timothy. And Timothy would see that tweet come up. Oh, what, what does Paul have to say now? What should I do? Paul would be encouraging. Paul would be supporting. Paul would be exhorting. Paul would be saying things that would help Timothy grow in his relationship with Jesus Christ to keep him strong. I doubt very much Timothy would be just getting everyone's tweet on everything and whoever it is, some celebrity, all these celebrity tweets and everything else, whatever they have to say. You know, it's not terrible. I'm just saying... But a lot of these people are going to basically be tweeting things or posting things or saying things or encouraging you in ways that are not going to help you in your relationship with God. See, here's the thing. What you Google, what you search, okay, who you follow, and the friends, the people that you allow to be your friends on Facebook or whatever else, will have a profound impact on who you become. If you don't think so, you are on la-la land, okay? Especially for the younger ones. If you don't think the people that you follow on Twitter or that you have friends with on Facebook or all these things are not going to influence you and the person that you are going to become, you're making a terrible mistake, especially for all the time that we spend using this technology. So we always need to keep that sinful, sacred point of view, that concept, forefront in our minds and in our hearts that needs to be there. So when something, when we're deciding who we're going to follow, we we ask the question, well, is this going to, is this going to strengthen me spiritually or is it going to negatively affect me spiritually? Is becoming friends with everybody who wants to be your friend, you want to be friend, 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 friend. Is every, do, you, do you care at all who becomes your friend? Or are you just going to, yes, accept, 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 accept everyone who wants to be a friend? If, you know, because the problem is, I used to do this as a youth pastor all the time. If you're standing on a chair, all right, you're a teenager or younger, and you're standing on a chair, is it easier for you to pull the person up onto the chair or for them to pull you off the chair? It's easier for someone to pull you off the chair. So you may think, well, I'm going to have a positive influence in this person. Yeah, but you get 25 or 30 or 50 or 100 friends who are, you know, bleep, 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 all over Facebook and doing all kinds of stuff and posting all kinds of things and check this out and all that kind of stuff. It's going to pull you off the chair. It's going to make it more difficult for you as a follower of Christ. They're going to influence you and there's really nothing you can do about it if if you're not a strong, if you don't have that strong foundation. Think, just think about it. Think about it. Are you allowing other people to affect how you are communicating online? The decisions that you're making, how you, how you communicate with this technology. Are you allowing others to influence your online behavior? You need to ask yourself, 
how am I using this? Am I using this technology? Am I using this to glorify God or to feed my old sin nature? Seriously, you have to be honest about it. Am I using this technology to glorify God or am I using it? Has it mastered me and am I using it to feed my old sin nature? Are my posts encouraging or discouraging? And you say, well, they're really encouraging. To you, they're encouraging because you get to write it. It was when we get in a little bubble world, we become our own little, our own little, whatever, you know, news station. And we kind of shoot everything out, what we think. I read this and this is what I think. And boom, and you're firing all these things out. Is it encouraging? Is it encouraging or discouraging to the people who are receiving it? Because to you, it may be just wonderful. But to the people who are receiving it, and then Christians have a great way of saying things like, hey, that's, you know, from the time I got saved, a week after I got saved, and I challenged some friends at church not to go to Maximus, which was like a bar in our area, I said, you know, man, don't go there because my friends, my old friends who are not Christians are there, and they know that you're Christians, and you're in there doing the same thing that they're doing. And they can't, and they're, they're making mention to me, hey, so-and-so and so-and-so, so and Maximus, what are they doing there? I thought they went to your church. And they said, you know what, that's their problem. It's not my problem. That's their, I only had one thing. I only had one to drink. I was there, no, I, here's, a, I gotta, here's a concept for us. Don't cause others to stumble. So it's not about it's their problem. It's our problem. And when you're communicating someone, if you're discouraging someone by what you're communicating, you have to at least take a step back and ask yourself, is this, is this edifying to the people that I'm sending it out to? Is it encouraging? Will at least occur, will, will at least encourage discussion? Be, and we're going to get more into this in, as we go through this series, a lot more into this as we go through the series, so I won't, I won't elaborate too much more on it now. But and here's another one. Am I using it to gossip? Am I using this technology to gossip or to share truth that builds others up? How am I using it? Am I building others up? Here, Exodus chapter 23, verses 1 and 2 says this. Do not spread false reports. Do not help a wicked man by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Don't follow. I mean, think about it. You're online, you're on Facebook, whatever else, and someone starts throwing out a discussion. You know, so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. You know, or my, or, uh, you know I, don't, I think that all parents are blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, everybody starts jumping on and starts ju- jumping in the conversation. Now, as a believer in Christ, you have to step back and ask yourself, should I engage in this conversation? The conversation is going in no good direction. And, I'm gonna, if, if, if I'm go- and if I'm going to participate, should I be the voice of reason? Can I be the person who steps up and goes, wait, 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 time out. Why are we saying this about, have we talked to so-and-so? Unless you're going to get into an honest, mature, spiritually mature conversation, maybe challenge people who are saying things, should you even get into the conversation in the first place? Because usually you're pulled off the chair and you're now gossiping and attacking someone that someone threw some post out about. Those are the kinds of questions we need to ask ourselves. Exodus 23, 1 and 2, do not spread false reports. Do not help a wicked man by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. And there's a crowd sometimes online. There is a crowd and you're following them in doing wrong. That's what we have to watch out for. Number two, we need to connect with sites that help us learn. 
connect with sites that help us learn. You know, we, <laughs> we have access to biblical knowledge today that would make, would make you know, Calvin and Luther giddy. I mean, I don't know if you ever read anything Calvin. I'm not sure that every guy ever got giddy. But if he was ever going to get giddy, this would be the time. I mean, if he lived now, what took him a month to research would take you and I about nah, a day maybe. Because there's so much biblical knowledge that we can receive by just going on and Googling something or whatever else going on those Bible search engines. It's incredible. Chris Cox and I were talking about the other day that you can just push a button and you'll just pull out the Greek and the, and the Hebrew for all these things and give you all the word meanings and their history. It's incredible. It's amazing. So we use this kind of technology. We need to connect with sites that help us learn. Now, this is because I, I always I always think to myself, what are people thinking? This is not to say that you cannot visit other sites of interest. I'm not saying you cannot visit other sites of interest, but you need to keep this in mind. Your web search needs to be Christ centered. What would Jesus search? Your web search needs to be Christ-centered. But can you go? I mean, I have almost every day. I go, um, not every day, maybe every other. Uh, Reds.com, and now the Bengals. I'm going to hit the Bengals. And just keep up to date. I just, it's just relaxing. Kind of see how, how many games the Reds are out in front. You know, it's exciting. You know, once in a while. I do it almost every day just because it's so nice to see their eight games in front instead of like 26 games behind. So it's like, you know, I do that. And it's sacred. I'm worshiping God when they're in first place. I'm, yes, Lord. Praise the Lord God Almighty in heaven. We're in first place. So, you know, God and I, we're, in a, we're worshiping together. And if there are more people around, the Bengals start winning. You, you, you go to the offices, worship going on in the offices. On Monday morning, the Bengals win. We're just worshiping. You know, it's, it's sacred when they're winning. They're sinful when they're losing. They're sacred. Exactly. And if you're a Browns fan, it's always sinful. Okay, winning or losing, always. <laughs> Ron, Toby. Um, so, you know, it, you just got to keep that in the context. You've got to make sure you're keeping all these things in context to make sure that God, we're, we're, we're using what God has given us to glorify him. We're using, we're using all that God allows us to use to build up the kingdom of God. In Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 25, it says this, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. And what it means is, you know, stay focused, stay focused on Christ. Don't don't start banging off you go. And you know how this happens. You know, for, for us, for those who are adults, OK, in here, it is so much more difficult for our students to stay pure and to keep on track and keep their eyes fixed than it was for us. And you say, well, I don't know. Yes, it is. It's a lot more difficult now. You had to go look for it when I was growing up. Now it comes after you. So keep your eyes fixed, guys, especially younger ones. Keep these scriptures in mind. When things pop up, do, do, try to do away with pop-ups or whatever else. But they're popping up to pull you away from Christ. And they're coming after you. It's not that you sometimes go and look for it. It's coming after you. It says keep your eyes fixed. Focus straight ahead. And then in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And it goes on, but I want to stick with that. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
fixing our eyes. And I, man, I know this is difficult, but that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. We can take advantage of all this good technology. And we should take advantage of all this good technology to honor Jesus Christ, to further the kingdom of God, to strengthen us spiritually. But we need to be aware we live in a world, in our worldview, that sinful, sacred worldview. We need to try with all of our hearts to stay in the sacred world, enjoying all that God has to offer, all the world has to offer, but staying in that realm. Number three, use it to love and encourage others. Use it to, to, to share love, share your love and encouragement with others. We want to love and encourage other people. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. As believers, this new technology can, can do so much to bless all the other people around us. It can be used in such a profound way to encourage, to build up, to bless those people around us. Think about it. Think about it. You can tweet messages that inspire. You can tweet messages that inspire instead of like, um, you know, I love you all. I really do. Take this right. I love you all. But, you know, I, I'm not a big tweet kind of person. But if I was, I don't, I don't really care what you bought at, at Kroger. Just bought a can of beans at Kroger. I mean, do we really need to know who bought a can of beans at Kroger? I mean, you know, and then we just, you know, bing, bing. You can use this. Now, it's not sinful to say you bought a can of beans. It's boring, but it's not sinful, okay, that you bought a can of beans at Kroger. That's, that's cool, you know. And I, it's, you know, maybe, hey, man, how's that can of beans? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> how did it taste? I mean, how do you get into a good conversation? That is good beans. Um, uh, what kind of beans were they? How much did they cost? I mean, this kind of conversations we get into. You can use Twitter to, to send a message that inspire people. Like, these beans were awesome. No, and not like that. Um, inspiring kind of things. You can use Facebook to post wisdom, words of wisdom, that helps people through challenging times. Uh, there will be some days on, on Facebook, I'll think, there, I, I think of one or two people who are going through a really difficult week. I know that. So I'm thinking if two people are, then 62 people probably are. You know, you get a bunch of friends. I'm sure other people around the country, around the world that I know are going through a difficult time in maybe Nigeria or Mexico. And so I'll try to post something that encourages whoever is going through a difficult day so that I can, I can help build them up. I can bless them with something I'm going to say. I can help them overcome a challenging experience. I mean, if you think about it, you can, we, we can text we, we can basically text in a way that makes someone else's day or that motivates them, that motivates them to do something really good or really great. You say, what are you talking about? Well, I don't know about you, but I had friends when I was growing up, there were a lot of my friends and they didn't want to try out for this or they didn't want to try out for the play because they didn't think they were good enough. And you can, t- you can literally tweet something or post something to your, your friends in general that encourages them, that motivates them or just directly to them about, you know, building them up and encouraging. Hey, I would try it, man. You have such a great voice. I think you, you really enjoy this. Don't, don't let anybody else stop you from doing whatever you could tweet and how many words you're allowed that would help help motivate them to do something that maybe God wants them to do in their lives. Fear, obviously, God doesn't want fear to stop us from from trying new things. You can be a force for good in someone else's life. 
Use the technology that God has given you to inspire, to motivate, to encourage other people. All, I think all of this can be used as a powerful force for good or as a disheartening path to discouragement. It can be used either way. And I'll tell you something else. When you, when you, tw- when you tweet or you post or you text or you email, whatever you're doing, something that's really discouraging or disheartening or belittling to or about someone else, you can have a profound negative impact in that person's life. We've all read the stories of how people have been cyberbullied or whatever else, or someone came up and started teasing this person online. They end up hanging themselves in a closet or killing themselves in some way. Now, those are extreme cases. Usually people who are um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're maybe discouraged to start with, you're just kind of pushing someone over the edge when you constantly pound on them. But forget, just put that aside for now. I know that people in this room right now, and I don't even have to see or think of anyone in particular, I know that you have been profoundly impacted in your life when that teacher ridiculed you and belittled you in the classroom, either making you come up front and making you look stupid or saying something in class that really have personally affected your life even to this day. One event, one, one little fire out those words and bam, they stuck with you. One of your friends, you tried out for something, you did something, and someone, you know, a group of 10 people were sitting around, and you said something and made a mistake, and, and everybody jumped on you, and they laughed at you, and they ridiculed you, and then they gave you a nickname about it. And it has affected your life. Can you imagine now, not 10 or 15 friends, 1,500 friends now reading something negative or belittling or, or just mean-spirited about someone on Facebook or whatever else? It's not just a few people here anymore. It's thousands of people. And you can even forward it to somebody else. We need to be really, really careful how we use this new technology. You can't, you can't take your Bible and separate it out from your, your phone. Biblical principles oversee all that we do, everything that we do, everything that comes out of our hearts and everything that comes out of our minds. Number four, don't use it to try to resolve conflict with others. I'm, gonna, I'm going to elaborate on almost all these principles over the next five weeks or so. We're going to elaborate on all these things. So if, you, if, if, if this series at all, if you're going, wow, that really has been helpful. Oh, that really has that stung a little bit. If, if you think this morning was stinging a little bit or is useful, this series is going to be great for you because we're going to get much more in the hows and the whys as we go forward. But don't try to use, don't try to use it to resolve conflict with others. Listen, social media is, I'm going to say almost never, because I, I can't think of a time, but I, I, just because I can't think of one, doesn't mean there isn't. Almost never the place to address personal offenses or issues of disagreement. Okay? Never the time. I'm, I'm really talking about personal offenses or personal conflicts. Social media, okay? Facebook, whatever you want to use, texting back and forth is not the way you deal with conflict with other people. Listen, if 93% of communication is, is nonverbal, okay? 93% is nonverbal. Um, facial expression, 93% is facial expressions, um, word, you know, words you use, tone of voice, so, you know, body language. 93% of communication. Why do you think, if you tied my hands down, I couldn't preach. 
Okay, just the way it is. Ninety three percent of communication is that if I stood here. Ninety three percent of communication is nonverbal. And will have a profound impact on your life if you don't use it the right way. Are you excited? I'm not excited at all. My, even slowly, I want to talk slowly. 93. No, that's the way it is. It, it, it's, it's how we communicate. So if that's true, if 93% of communication is nonverbal, then what do you think gets lost in translation when you're texting someone in a conflict? Right? I could say to Chuck, Chuck, you are so crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> Yeah, see, it's, he's laughing, he's smiling, you know. So if I say that, you know exactly what I'm doing. If I, if I go over here and I go, you are crazy. David Mead, you're crazy. Totally different, right? I said the exact same thing. Now, now, of course, when you're tweeting, you put your crazy and you put a little smile face, which saves everything. You could tell someone like, you know, something about their mom and everything else, and you just put a smile face, and it makes everything better. You know what you're, you know what you're losing in communication when you, when you try to communicate, when you're in a conflict with someone, if you try to communicate that way? And I, I'm not going to get on this any further, because we're going to have a whole sermon on this one. There's going to be a whole sermon on this one. But let me just say this, all right? What I read, most of, most of what I read uh, in, in, social, in social settings, social media settings, is to say the least a lack of discernment, okay? Not good wisdom, lack of discernment, not good, not good patience, whatever you want to call it, it it's, it's really poor, poor communication, a lack of discernment. This is not how you communicate. You do not text issues. Let me, let me give you a, um, a biblical principle that would, would help you that you can follow. Well, first, let me, let me just read this one thing. Um, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3. When it comes to communication in any form, it would be wise to follow Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3. It says this, He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly comes to ruin. Comes to ruin. Good rule of thumb, and I'm going to say this over and over and over again until most of you are sick and tired of me saying it, but that's totally okay. If you have something nice to say, you say it out loud. Write it. If you have something nice to say, write it down. If you say, so, oh, you know, dear so-and-so, I think you, what a wonderful, thank you so much. You are so gifted at this, and I just want to appreciate that. I want to make, you write it down. People keep those notes. They keep them all. So when you have something nice to say, you write it. When you have something difficult to say, never write it. You go, you don't say it on Facebook. You say it face-to-face. You have a face-to-face conversation or confrontation. There's nothing wrong with a confrontation if you're sitting down with a desire for reconciliation. You sit down with someone if you have something difficult to say and you say it face-to-face. And I want to say this, with, and I don't, I, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, I promise before God, 
But if you don't have the courage to say it face to face, you need to wait until you do get it, until you get the courage. Because firing off emails, firing off letters, firing off whatever, trying to resolve conflict, it doesn't work. Why? 93% of communication is nonverbal. They don't, they, they read between the lines. And I'll tell you something else for some of you. It says, the Bible says, uh, love keeps no record of wrongs. If you have a letter that you're holding on to, because here's the point. If you write me something, if you email me something, and it's, Pastor, you're the worst speaker that I've ever heard in my life. Why don't you stick your hands in your pocket? You'd be a lot better off. You know what I mean? Your hands are always bothering me, whatever the case may be. And it goes on and on and on, talking about my mom and my dog and everything else. If I read that the first time, it's going to bug me. When I read it the third time, it's going to bug me. And when I read it the tenth time, it's going to bug me. If I, read it, if I keep it and read it a year from now, it's going to bug me. Even if you came and apologized, I still have that letter. Get rid of them. Keep no record of wrongs. Get rid of it. And, and matter of fact, don't write it in the first place. Communicate difficult things. Write down good things. That will keep you, my friends, out of so much trouble. How many times have you gone, blah, 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 send, and then gone, oh, <laughs> no. You know, I can't believe that you read it over. You're like, I can't believe I said that. Why? You were emotional. Write it out if you want to, then delete it. But do not push send. Write it down so you get your points in your mind that you want to talk about. But do not push send. Don't push send. Real little side note. Some of you have been consumed by the social media, by the social sites, okay, by this, this technology. You're being consumed. It's time for you to fast from this from texting, whatever it is for you. I don't know what it is for you, but some of you need to fast, which means giving up something, giving up a certain activity so you can focus your life, you can focus your attention on God. Give it up. You say, well, I could never give that up. That's why you need to. If you can't give it up, you need to give it up for a period of time. And don't tell me it's impossible because I need my whatever. No, you don't. We've lived for thousands of years without them. We can live for thousands of years without them again. What I'm saying is if it's truly of having a negative effect, if you're consumed by it, what's negatively affecting your relationships, you need to fast for a period of time from that to get your focus back again. Finally, make, make sure you invite Jesus when you post, when you, tw- when you tweet, when you blog, when you Twitter, whatever, whatever, make sure you invite Jesus in to all of those things. Let me read you something from 1 Peter 4.11. It's awesome. It's actually really difficult and challenging. It says this, if anyone speaks, doesn't matter, hand, hand, whatever. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Wow. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, which is the purpose in everything we do, verbally, non-verbally, whatever we do, texting, tweeting, everything, so that in all things, all things, all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Listen, Christ is there anyway. Either he's going to be a welcome guest or an uninvited guest. He's going to be there. He's there, period. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. So either he is an invited guest 
or you're considering him an unwelcome guest, but he's still there. This ties in so well to what we learned in our last series, Don't Check Jesus at the Door. Everything we do, everywhere we go, everything we think, we need to make sure that Jesus Christ is a part of that. That includes our our online activities. It includes everything. It includes everything that we do. In in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, it reminds us, listen to this. Since we have these, these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Let me say it again. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Sacred and sinful. If something is contaminating both body and spirit, you need to eliminate it from your life. You need to stop doing it until you have the spiritual maturity to use it in such a way that it glorifies God. If you cannot use it in such a way that glorifies God, then you're not spiritually mature enough to use it. And only you know that. It's between you and God. But it's something we all need to think about. Now, I know that I'm asking, I know what I'm asking you is extremely difficult. But listen to this. It is nowhere near as difficult as it will be for your life if you don't know or you're not making the right decisions with your online or your, this technology with this kind of behavior. You have no idea how profoundly it could destroy your relationship with your spouse, how it could destroy your relationship with your kids, how it could destroy your relationship with your parents, how it could destroy your relationship with your friends. If you think what I'm asking you to do is difficult, just take a little further look beyond the hedges, okay? Because what I'm sharing with you, that this can absolutely have a devastating effect on your life, maybe for the rest of your life. So we need to make sure as followers of Jesus Christ that we're using in such a way that we're not being tempted because like I said earlier, technology is a great servant but a very bad master. Nothing should master us. If Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he's going to devour and whose lives he's going to destroy, then I'll tell you something. The internet is the, is the tall grass in the African plains and you are the lone wildebeest. Think about that for a moment. What happens to the lone wildebeest? Eaten every single time. Here's the lone wildebeest, nibbling on parches of grass, right? The dopey thing gets too close to the tall grass. I'm telling you, the internet, if Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he's going to devour and whose life he's going to destroy, then the internet is the tall grass in the African plains and you're the the lone wildebeest. I'm telling you. It can destroy your life. He's waiting to devour and we need to be careful. We need to be careful. If we are followers of Jesus Christ... We are followers of Jesus Christ, which means we don't separate any of our activities from him. And this, the, the word, the song they sang, more than words. My friends, there are so much, there are so many words, so many words that are thrown out there now. Not just this way, not just through the, the sound of my voice, but by the, my fingers and how fast I can type. These words are going everywhere. And the Bible says, where words are many, sin is not absent. We need to be careful. We need to be careful. I cannot, I cannot take my iPad, okay, and my iPhone 
which are actually pretty cool, just so you know. The iPad, you cannot take one and say, well, this, this is in one place and this is in another place. This is how my iPad and my iPad should function, within my worldview. This dominates this. This dictates what I do. This dictates what I do with this. This, this dictates what I say on this. This dictates what I search on this. What I say, what I do, what I search, all of those things. One is dominant over the other. One dictates how I live my life, what my fingers do on, those, on that keypad or just touch screen. This determines how I make my decisions for all the technology I use in this world. Then it is sacred. Then I can use it. Then I can enjoy it. Then I can glorify God through it. You, here's the bottom line. It's simple. You need to treat technology like every other part of your spiritual life. You need to treat this like every other part of your spiritual life. Treat your computer like every other part of your spiritual life. You need to allow the word of God to dictate your online activities. You need to always ask yourself, ask yourself, what would Jesus tweet? What would Jesus blog? What would Jesus post? What would Jesus search? Those are the questions we need to ask. And if you ever have a question and you're not really sure, don't text your friend and ask him. It's right there. If you're you're ever unsure of how to use this technology, the answer is right there. All scripture is God-breathed and used for teaching, rebuking, training, and correcting and training in righteousness that the man and woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, for everything. It's all right there. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you for this time that we can spend together. We thank you for the opportunity to come, Lord God, and we ask that you would please help us as we use this new technology and what's coming down the road, that, we would, that you would allow us, Lord, to, to embrace it in such a way that honors you, that glorifies you, that encourages and builds others up. Father, we want to enjoy all that we have on this earth. We want to do it in such a way that you are first and foremost in our minds. That you, Lord God, receive all the glory from everything that we do, from everything that we say, everything that we type, everything that we touch. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great week.